Okay, episode five of our, I keep, <laughs> I keep having this, like, uh, I'm tempted to call it like the coronavirus series, but I don't want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> so I need to, um, so I need to come up with something else. But this is, <laughs> this is episode five of the series that we've been doing um, to provide people with some content that they can consume while they're home quarantining um, and looking for something to do. So uh, today, who I'm talking with, my very, very good friend, Nicole Caruso. Nicole and I were connected via Instagram months ago, like over a year ago, actually. And, you know, just had a lot of conversations, you know, via messages on Instagram. And then we're finally able to connect and spend time together at SLS um, in down in Arizona this year. And um, it's just been like such a joy in my life and such a delight to, to be friends with you, Nicole. And so I'm so excited to talk with you about um, this, this topic. And this, I think maybe to some people who are more like deep in the pro-life issue and maybe, um, thinking a lot more about, you know, spe this spe very specific abortion issue and some of these other things, this, the idea of bringing this, this topic into that conversation might be maybe a new thought for them. But I think that this, I think this is an important conversation for us to have. So we're going to be talking about, um, just how beauty dignifies the human person in all the ways that women bring beauty into their lives. So Nicole, thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. Oh, I am too. I'm so glad to talk to you today. You know, I mean, I guess we could just begin. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do? How did you come to be passionate about Worthy of wearing is really the the phrase the first phrase that comes to mind. It's the phrase that you use on Instagram when you talk to women about, um, you know, dignifying themselves through what they put on their bodies and in their bodies. And um, I think that's probably a good place to start. So if you just want to kind of talk about your journey leading up to this point, um, and then we can go from there. Of course. So um, yeah. So I'm currently um, a mother of two with a baby coming very soon in April. Um, my husband and I live in Washington, D.C., um, but I grew up in Connecticut, really close to New York, and um, have always loved fashion and beauty. It was actually how my parents met was through the um, garment industry. There was an event that they met at, and that's how the whole thing started. So um, it's just always been part of my life. And then um, we had an opportunity to move to New York um, after a long assignment in Texas for the Air Force, and um, I started interning and I started working in retail, and I really started to get a sense of what the fashion industry was like from the inside out, rather than just being an onlooker or someone who was just like holding up in her room reading every magazine, every Teen People, every mm -hmm. Lucky. Um, and you know, I'm the oldest in my family, so I really was looking to media as a way to learn about what it means to have style. Um, you know, how to dress, how to do your makeup. It was just, this was just always something that I've been really attracted to. So when I finally got a chance to work in fashion, um, it was just like a dream come true. Um, but the part of it that you hear a lot of um, about it being, you know, kind of a tougher industry is absolutely true because it is um, a lot of creative people who are really, really passionate and sometimes the clothing and the fashion with a capital F becomes like life or death. So I, I, I learned that and, wow. and got to see kind of the inner workings of what that was like. But, um, you know, I think it took until I got my second um, job with another designer. This this time it was a, an Italian designer um, working in New York. I really got to see, okay, 
like I have upward potential here. This is a job that I'm I'm good at, but working among um, the people in this industry was really it was it was soul sucking. Like I just I was losing my sense of self. I was working so much. It was like 70 hours a week average. <laughs> so, um, oh my gosh, I had this one moment where I almost missed Sunday mass and I, it was like seven o'clock at night. And I finally found, thank God for New York city, having churches open so late and offering masses at all times of day. Um, I noticed they had a line for confession. So I got in line and I told the priest the whole story about everything. And I was crying and he just mm-hmm. said, in classic New York, direct, you know, fatherly tone. Sounds like you got to get a new job. And I was like, okay. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) But it was one of those moments where I said, okay, look, I love fashion. I love beauty. I've been doing makeup for a long time. I've been, you know, just doing freelance clients here and there for weddings and photo shoots and whatnot. Um, How can I take that and transform it. And it does, do I have to do fashion and beauty in this one boxed in way? Do I have to work in this industry, in this city, doing these exact things that they say you should do to, you know, build your book of business, to become well-known in the industry, to make an impact? And I think hearing that voice from this priest was just, gave me such a relief and a peace that I can do this in a different way. So Um, Mm -hmm. not long after that, I started working with Verily magazine and then they brought me on as the beauty editor. And that's when I got to see that I could use my gifts to really impact real women, not just, you know, the models walking down the runway or the buyers coming in from Bergdorf Goodman who wanted, you know, certain clothing pieces and whatnot. And everything was so calculated and sales based and forecasted. I really wanted to like talk to real women. And I think that's what I always loved about makeup, like someone would sit in my chair, we would look at each other face to face, and I would hear their story, like what's going on with their skin? Okay, but let's let's talk about the deeper story there. Like what are they insecure about? How can I help them feel mm-hmm. more in touch with who they are? And so it just sort of spurred. And then I think um, after becoming a mom for the first time, that's when I started to see that I was having this interior battle of like, I'm taking care of this little person who needs me and I'm losing myself in the process because Mm -hmm. I can't figure out how to get dressed every day and take care of her and feel like myself and provide all the things that I'm supposed to be doing in my home and whatnot. It was just, it felt like everything just got wiped clean and I had to kind of reattack. And so what I started to do was like, you know, we all have like we open our closet to get dressed every day. And I was like, man, like all these things I'm telling myself are off limits because I'm home and I'm a stay at home mom. So I can't wear a great blazer that I used to wear to work or I have these amazing shoes that, you know, just don't make sense anymore. And there was just all of this tension. And I figured out that it really I really had to change that in order to get over the hump of being able to feel like myself and also care for my daughter. And as I started to kind of weed out some old stuff and and wear those things that made me feel um, confident and beautiful and in touch with who I was, the better mom I was, the better wife I was, the more I felt confident to actually mm-hmm. like leave my house and go do things yeah. with friends. And so it, it was just, yeah. I noticed this snowball happening. And um, 
you know, and I think that's where the worthy of wearing idea came from. It was just about last year I had, my son was about one and I just thought, gosh, I am looking at these things again and saying, oh no, not today. It's, it's, you know, it's just a normal day of the week. I shouldn't be wearing that. I'm going to get a stain on it or whatever. And then I just said, why am I doing this? Like God wants me to feel proud of who I am. He made me in his image and likeness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have a job to do and I need to give my best to my family and to my community. And how can I do that? I have to feel good. I have to feel good about myself. So it just created that whole idea of like, we are worthy of wearing the things that make us feel confident and, uh, and alive and proud of the person that God has made us to be. Now that doesn't mean like all yeah. these go away or, um, but I will say that the mindset and the action and the routine of getting dressed every day, whether you work from home or go out of the house and being really intentional about that has changed my life. And I think that's why, um, the whole idea has caught on with other women because they're seeing the same thing. Yeah. And I love, um, I love those adjectives that you used. Well, I guess a couple things going back to, um, I love, I love those adjectives that you use because I think when we, when we hear this conversation on a very surface, surfacey level, um, fashion, you know, it, it, it can become this, this question of like, okay, eyeshadow, is it, uh, serving the beauty of the person or is it just vain? You know, it's like, we make it very black and white. And I love when you talk about doing makeup on these women and actually finding out like who they are and what they're dealing with with because directs the conversation where it should be had is let's talk about the person and how do all of these other things serve the person as opposed to how you know I don't know it's 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 such a funny thing there's I like perceive it in different ways you know I think the one that comes to mind and not to like bash Justin Bieber but um Justin Bieber (laughs) has that clothing line that to me I don't know maybe it's just my personal taste it doesn't feel like like, uh, it, 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 it's just very loud and it, it doesn't necessarily invoke like any sort of inspiration in me, like, or, you know, it's, it's just, just big smiley faces on clothes. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. I think it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know, maybe, maybe that's inspiring for some people. So this is just my, you know, me personally speaking, but I think, um, what you're, what you're saying is that when we ask ourselves questions about, about the individual person and the human person, if they're able to, um, you know, make fashion and make some of these other things work in a way that inspires their life and really, uh, like you said, makes them feel alive. That's, that's the thing. That's what makes something dignifying as opposed to, um, you know, I'm trying to be or do something else or do, you know, be someone different, or I'm trying to draw attention to myself that isn't, uh, isn't necessarily serving me. I don't know. I guess those are some of the things I think of when I think of fashion and maybe that's, um, maybe that's reflective of what some of my own struggles with it are. I think one thing that's important to remember is that we are not separate body and soul. We are one body and soul. And so we have our interior and our exterior. So whether you are saying like, I love style, I love fashion, or I just get dressed for the sake of getting dressed every day, what you put on your body tells a story. Mm -hmm. So we have a choice. Like you said, you can choose to um, 
wear something for the sake of vanity, for the sake of getting attention, for the sake of being flashy or looking for compliments. Um, just like you can act like you are holier than thou and have judgment and, um, and, and shame on other people in your heart. So it, it, right. you can have, so to me, like style and personal style, which I think is different than fashion. Fashion's like the industry to me and like the trends and, mm-hmm. and the rules and all the things. Style is your story. It's an extension of who you are. Wow. Like when you, when you look at I your rings or your jewelry or your, you know, a coat that you have that was your grandmother's, like you're telling part of your story with your clothing, whether you think you are or not. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a Steve, my husband, Stephen and I had a really funny um, kind of ongoing joke when we were first married because we would, you know, go out together shopping or whatnot. And, um, and I would like pull something off the rack and be like, oh my gosh, this would look so good on you. And he would be like, oh, that's, I don't know. And I was like, well, what's your style? And he's like, I don't have a style. I'm like, you have a style. Like everybody has a style, yeah, whether right. you are, you know, a, a polo and khakis kind of a person or whether you're wearing like a sequin jacket with a midi skirt and, you know, shoot, like mm-hmm. everyone has a style. It's just a matter of being intentional with like, what's the story I'm trying to tell here? You know, am I wearing bright colors because that makes me feel really happy and really um, in touch with myself? Am I more of a, you know, kind of minimalist and I feel really strong and confident in in more muted tones? Like it's all of that has something to say. I think it's just sometimes people have a hard time connecting the dots and saying, well, and, and this goes so much deeper. It's like, well, who am I? Who did God make me to be? What yeah. do I like? And how can I express that in my clothing? How can I tell that story? Because um, it's very confusing when you have magazines and media shoving rules down your throat about what colors you're supposed to wear and what prints you're supposed to wear and and how you're supposed to do your hair and your makeup and all these things. So, um, you know, it's, it's very personal. And, um, I think our culture can really confuse people and make them feel like they're not in the club. Um, but fashion is the club style is up for us to interpret, um, as we, you know, as we tell our story with our clothing. Yeah. I love that. So that kind of is, that's a good segue way, I guess, into one of the first things we wanted to talk about is how do some of these things actually, actually dignify the person, you know, I mean, makeup, clothes, um, and you, you touched on this a little bit, but how, what's, where's that balance between dignifying, well, how do we dignify as opposed to, you know, being vain? Um, Can you be, you know, and maybe like we can be a little bit specific about that if possible. Yes. So I think um, the difference in dressing for attention versus dressing to express your inherent God-given dignity is, um, there's a few things at play here. Um, One of them is the M word, which is always hard to talk about, modesty. Um, Mm -hmm. Another one is, are you um, kind of, how do I say this? It's like, how are you connecting like who God made you to be with your clothing. This is, this is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I see it in, I see it in preteens. I see it all the way up to, you know, um, women in their, in their fifties that are just like, I don't know where to start. And I think that's, that can be, that can hold people back. Um, or, or we have these ideas of like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, or, you know, or insecurities, I, I should say, of, you know, 
I'm going to wait until um, that fits me again to wear dresses again, or I'm going to wait until, you know, I, I get that number on the scale that I want. And I think that's where we are losing that dignity. Um, and, and immodesty is also where we lose that dignity. So mm-hmm. I think, um, practically speaking, it's a matter of, I think the way that we can like find balance in dressing that in a way that suits our dignity is by um, wearing clothes that number one, fit our bodies. Okay, so this is very important. If we are wearing something that doesn't fit, whether it's too big and it's kind of swallowing us or it's too small and we're constantly adjusting it or we're feeling the need to keep going to the bathroom and check the mirror or you know, someone's talking to you and you can't be present with them because you're really concerned about where your neckline is or how tight your pants are, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes away from us fulfilling our mission, which in turn um, kind of distracts from our dignity because we can't use our gifts to the fullest and be present to people when we are so concerned in our mind about what what is going on. The other thing is dressing for your lifestyle. So, um, you know, as a mom, it doesn't make sense for me to wear high heels every day because I'm chasing children. I'm up and down off of stools and stairs and in and out of my car and so for me, that's not a comfortable option. But if someone is, for example, working in like finance and um, they feel really beautiful and really dignified wearing a gorgeous pair of, of high heels every day, that suits their lifestyle and like where they're going and kind of what they do on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So I think keeping in mind those, those things can really help people sort of create a framework for themselves where, um, you know... Obviously, you're not going to wear sweatpants if you work, um, you know, at a bank and you're not going to wear, you know, casual ripped jeans if you're if you're working in a a corporate office. So um, kind of looking at your life as a whole and looking at what kind of suits you on a day to day basis and then finding things, um, you know, looking for inspiration and, and finding things that say, okay. That I love that. I want that to translate into my life somehow. So I'm going to then um, find a way to make that suit me rather than like going out, buying whatever's on the mannequin, trying to make it work and feeling like the clothes are wearing you rather than you mm-hmm. wearing the clothes. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, this is the, this is such a funny example. Again, this is this goes to show how this is not my area. That's why you're talking about it. But it makes me think of like like that show Extreme Makeover. Did you ever watch that when that was on TV? Yes. Yeah. I was always, and I, actually, I'm I'm curious to hear if you have an opinion about that. I was always so taken by that show, and I always I kind of felt like it. They were doing a good to the like a kind of doing a service to these people because they were really, you know, like you said, teaching them to wear clothes that fit them and clothes that flatter their bodies and to, you know, have have a hairstyle that is neat and shows your face and isn't like burying you under this, you know, mop of hair. And there was always like a sense of joy when some of these people looked in the mirror that they were seeing themselves for the first time at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was like always tears. And of course, some of that, you know, it's reality TV. I mean, how much of that is real or not? But I think some of it was maybe authentic because I think that people, our identities are so wrapped up in, um, in a lot of things, but largely in how we physically actually see ourselves when we look in the mirror. And I think when you're, when you struggle with that and you don't know how 
to um, how to make it work, you can feel kind of, um, you know, like, like your own self, your own person is unfamiliar to you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. I think that's why even the show um, What Not to Wear with Stacey yeah. London was so popular because of that. It was that moment at the end where the person looks at themselves in the mirror and it's like they're seeing themselves for the first time and also recognizing, yes, that is who I am. I am me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 100% myself. Um, yeah. And I think that's why that show, you know, shows like that are so, so powerful because um, it is showing that clothing and makeup and, and how we groom ourselves um, and, and it really does affect our confidence the things that we that we go for in our life like I love when they would show you know the woman who went for that job or she started her own business or she just went and did that thing that she had been so afraid to do for so long mm-hmm. because she just didn't believe in herself and here she is with a couple of new things in her closet a haircut a new lipstick and all of a sudden she's conquering the world like we can't take that and say that's vanity because you know, this is a means to us coming to understand ourselves. And I think, you know, I have a daughter, so I try to impart that on her. Like, I want her to know that she can be authentically who she is and not worry about what she's wearing and just go forth and serve and do that mission that God made you to do. Um, and, and just let it be something that you do and it's over and you can just go about your day. And And I think that's, um, that's a powerful lesson for all of us because we don't realize how these things can hold us back if we are sort of, you know, neglecting ourselves in that way. Um, yeah. you know, God made us in his image and likeness and we, um, we ought to dignify the, the creation that we are, um, with the appropriate clothing. Yeah. And you know, all of this too makes me think of, so two episodes ago, I interviewed um, Leah Jacobson. She f- was the founder of um, Guiding Star, which is like a women's health um, clinic organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't they don't just do like pregnancy resource stuff. They do. Um, she's a lactation specialist, and they do so they do a lot of breastfeeding help, and they also do stuff with women, you know, postpartum, and even before, you know, with birth control and things like that. Um, they you know don't provide birth control. They do natural family planning and all that. And sh- her philosophy with that. And I think it applies here is that when we're trying to affirm, um, women and empower them to choose life in that particular instance, um, there are so many other moments in a woman's life that we can either speak life into her existence or we can speak death into it. And so often I think women are the subject of a lot of shame and a lot of feeling of unworthiness. Again, I mean, I think I I was talking to you about this recently. My really good friend talks about this a lot. He's a seminarian and he talks about how women that's, that's the way that the devil goes after women is by making them feel unworthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, there are so many ways that we speak all of these things into women's lives um, or not we, but the world that speaks all these, all these, you know, messages of death we'll say into women's lives. Um, about un- being unworthy and not being capable. And I think this is just one more way. Um, well, well, and I guess Leah, Leah says that we can speak life into women's lives by affirming them when they're breastfeeding or affirming them when they're 
they're struggling to connect with their baby after, after giving birth. Um, and by helping them through those things and helping them recognize that that's not, that doesn't define their identity. And I think that this is one of those things that this topic of personal style is one of those ways that we can speak life into a woman as well. And in saying to her, like you are, you know, again, it goes back to worthy of wearing, you are worthy of these beautiful things that you look at, whether it's in your closet or in a store and think I could never wear that. That's just not for me. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So I just, I really love that, but I want, I also want to hear you talk a little bit, um, about you mentioned being a mother and, and, and your daughter and Cecilia and, and I would love to just hear you talk about um, how motherhood has both impacted your style and also how your personal style has impacted motherhood. And I've told you that's one of my one of the things I admire most about you is I look at you as a mom and you are your identity just shines through in your motherhood and your motherhood isn't your identity. Your identity has has informed how you mother. And I think that is so beautiful. And so I would love to hear you talk about that if you don't mind. That's really sweet. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I have to say, you know, I didn't know what my, my personal style was for a long time. So if anyone out there is, is listening and thinks like, I don't have this figured out, I didn't either. It, it's a lot of trial and error. And I think um, when I had that moment as a new mom, and I was just re-wearing the same pilled leggings and pilled stained shirt, um, it, it was just like, what am I doing? I, I don't even like these clothes. They're ripped. I'm basically wearing rags. Like how, how can I feel like myself if I'm not, um, treating myself better than this? You know, I'm, I'm putting all of my love and effort into my, into my vocation, but I also need to like, you can't like give what you don't have. Right. So it's very easy for moms to get run down and feel like they are like a slave to their, to their vocation because, well, I can't possibly have time to, you know, get dressed every day or do my makeup like my kids are screaming. And, um, and, and I think we hear that a lot in, in our culture. You know, we like, we look at mothers who are neglecting themselves and we say, oh, that's not good enough. Or we look at mothers who are, you know, we wearing makeup every day and getting dressed and we say, oh my gosh, you must be neglecting your kids. You know, so there's, there's very much of a stigma of, of these two extremes. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like, um, it took me some time, um, to, cultivate that personal style and say, okay, I can appreciate something that's, that's beautiful. Like I can look at an anthropology catalog and, or a J crew catalog and be like, oh my gosh, I love how they styled that. It's beautiful. But would I wear that? No, it doesn't speak to who I am, but I can appreciate it. And I think learning how to separate that was very powerful for me in understanding my personal style. And then as I kind of whittled down my closet it got so much easier every day to get up, get dressed, and then take care of my little girl. And I think for her to see me, um, you know, getting putting a little effort in, she started like when she was like two, she started to notice and she was like, Mama, you look so nice. Or Mama, I like mm. your, you know, I like your necklace or little things like that. And it's just like, it's just really sweet because children are so innocent and pure. Um, and they recognize beauty so suddenly, even my son now, who's two is like everything <laughs> the other day, he said to me, mama, <laughs> I'm wearing a red lip. I was like, yes, I am. And he's, <laughs> you know, he smiled, <laughs> he smiled at me and, um, it's, it's very sweet so how cute. they, how they just, they see beauty and they celebrate it immediately. 
Um, so, you know, I think being, you know, (laughs) being in touch with, um, being in touch with who you are feeds your family. And then as your family feeds you, it's just this beautiful exchange. You know, you can, you can take care of your, some, some days I do lock my bathroom door for five minutes so I can get dressed no one's dying. They, they might miss me for five minutes, but everyone's fine. Um, and then I can come out and have a fresh head and be, just have a little bit of clarity of, of being um, kind of in touch with how I'm feeling some, you know, most days. It, it's harder when I get up and I have to clean up a spill and, and I don't get dressed until two o'clock in the afternoon. And, and I, it does, it wears on you. You start to feel like, what am I doing? So right. um, I think children have a way of um of teaching us these beautiful lessons in a very subtle manner and I think when I watched my daughter fall in love with clothing as she started to understand it um I really found myself teaching her about like dressing for contexts and how do we dress for mass versus how do we dress for the pool versus how do we dress to go play outside um Mm. so you know kind of teaching her those things was also making me much more aware of them as I was, you know, as the words are coming out of my mouth. Um, Because, you know, if I can teach her that now when she's a toddler and in in elementary school, um, once she's a preteen, like, it's already, the boundary is set. Like, we we already know that for mass, we wear this, or for the pool, we wear this, or for, you know, playing outside, we wear this. There's no kind of question. Not to say that it won't be challenged because I know it will. I know I was quite a challenger at that age, so who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, I think waiting until a girl is 12 to teach her that wearing, you know, sparkly spandex leggings that are skin tight to mass, um, you know, isn't the right form of dress, then I think she'll be so confused and be like, well, why? Like, I've been wearing these like all my life. Like, this is so confusing. Yeah you know? Um, yeah. And, and so you know, that's a good, that's, I'm sorry. That's a good, oh. I just want to like mention that that's a really good point that you make because, um, that was something I think that we saw with like Kim Kardashian a couple of years ago was posting photos of her little girl wearing like bikinis on Instagram. And I remember people were like, that is not cool. And it's one of those things you don't think about because when they're kids, it's like, well, what they're not, we're not naturally sexualizing them, but I think with clothes, we, we don't realize how we can be. Um, and and, and like you said, we're teaching lessons that are confusing later on because they're like, well, I don't understand why something I wore all the time three years ago, now that I'm have hit puberty, it's not okay anymore. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit, um, and you kind of went into this, but we've talked before about Cecilia's personal style. And I just think that's so special um, that she is really kind of developing her own tastes as she grows up. Um, And I love that. I think that speaks to, you know, like we see so much, um, so much of our own humanity in such an organic way in children. And she is learning and experiencing all this for the first time. And it's so real. You know what I mean? So I'm curious if you could just talk about that that briefly. Yeah, absolutely. So she is, um, my daughter Cecilia is six. And so now we have like, (laughs) she has full reign of like, she gets herself dressed every day. 
we buy the clothes, obviously, but um, I always include her in the process. And I, and I really always have because I wanted to teach her about colors and fabrics and fits and all of that stuff because, I mean, first of all, it's just plain fun. And, and the other thing <laughs> is just, you know, that she's going to be a woman one day and I want her to have those tools. Um, but it's funny because our styles are really different. And she started to recognize this and sort of <laughs> pointed out to me. And I think um, I, I can never forget this, but I just have to tell you a quick story of yeah. one time I was working in this department store doing makeup. It was prom season and this mother daughter came up to, to me and they, I was doing their makeup and, um, the young girl had to be, I think she, you know, she was like young for going to prom. I can't remember if she was like a sophomore or junior in high school. Um, and so they, it was like all the moms and all the friends all came to the store at the same time but they all went to different makeup artists and mm -hmm. so she sat down with me and the mom kind of left and so I'm like asking her you know what do you want to wear how do you want me to do your makeup like tell me about your dress and aren't you so excited and she was so um just visibly like not like a shell like she was just not in her body and and I was just so confused I'm like this girl's going to prom like for the first time she's got to be excited I don't know what's going on so anyway, I started just by doing her makeup. Her mom marches over and she's like, I want you to, she says this to me, I want you to make my daughter look like her. Okay. I was like, so I scan over the room. The girl who's sitting in front of me, her daughter is a brunette, beautiful brown eyes, beautiful bone structure, just long brown hair, just gorgeous young girl. She points to the girl across the room and the girl across the room is like five, eight blonde, like sporty body, like oh, big boy. blue eyes. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this girl, the, the daughter is tearing up in front of me. I'm trying not to tear up because I'm oh, like, like the empathy was like overflowing. Um, and I'm like, okay, now I see what's going on here. Mm -hmm. So we have mothers who are looking at their daughter and saying, you're not good enough. You're not this. You shouldn't, you know, wear your hair like that. You shouldn't wear that color. Like a lot of us have that shame in our mind and that, that voice in our mind coming from our very own family. Mm -hmm. And I just said to myself, I will never do this to my own children because, you know, we are not meant to be a clone of our parent. We are uniquely who God made us to be. And, um, and, and of course we have parts of our story and things that we love that can be similar, but, um, trying to fit in this mold was just, it was so hurtful and painful. And I could see the pain in this girl's mm. eyes. So, um, I think that really pivotal moment for me was, was how I decided to detach immediately from whatever my little girl's mm -hmm. style is, you know, with, with boundaries, of course. Um, yeah. but to celebrate her, like she's not me. She doesn't mm -hmm. have my story. She has her own story. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, my, my daughter loves to wear prints and bright colors and dresses that hit the floor all the, all day long, every day. Um, <laughs> she has curly hair that's always just, she doesn't like to do anything to it. She likes to just let it go wild. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> Jeans, t-shirt, blazer, <laughs> flats, like 
practical, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, you know, we like to have a little fun too, but like, I like more just simple silhouettes, simple colors. And, um, you know, when we go out shopping, sometimes she's like, well, can't you just wear this bright pink flowery dress? And I'm like, you know, I had to look at her and say like, that's a Cecilia dress, you know, mama mm-hmm. would wear it. And I'm like picking up the black, like <laughs> shapeless. <laughs> and I'm like, this is what I would love to wear. Um, you know, and, and, and I, we can love style and love different versions of that. And that is just beautiful and it's, and it's good and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and so I think, you know, for any, any women that are listening that have little babies and they're just like, how is this all going to work out? Like, you know, we have to, um, not only celebrate their personal style, but celebrate their, who they are. They're not, they're not going to have the same temperament as us, the same way of seeing the world, and um, that's really where it comes down to us to um, be that parent that can say, okay, I can put my wants and desires aside and put them first and, and, and teach them how to um, get in touch with, with who God made them to be, not to put something like lord it over them. Yeah. And just, I mean, just giving them permission to like what they like. I think that speaks into so many other areas of our lives. Um, and you know, being young and a kid, that's one of the first ways that a parent is able to do that is by just, you are, it is totally okay that Cecilia wants to wear these long floor length dresses and that that's not what you would wear and giving her permission to, you know, in preference, disagree with you, but still, like you said, within boundaries, like that's, that is so healthy. I love that. Um, so one more question, I guess, before we, before we close it up, um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I had been talking to some friends about, about this podcast episode and a few of them, um, one who's in seminary very specifically wanted to know what your thoughts are on, on for religious, how can this apply to priests and religious, um, who are, you know, I think specifically priests, I mean, and I don't know, maybe we would find with um, with religious sisters that they're, um, that, you, you know, even, even wearing the habit, there are other things that come into play here that they would have questions about. But I think some priests are asking questions about, well, can my haircut be like stylish? Is that too much? Should I just keep it simple? And, um, I think there are a lot of questions, uh, around surrounding that topic, you know, how can what religious put on their body? Um, how does that contribute to their identity or like you said, their story? Um, and how can we dignify them in that way? I think there's a lot to be said on this topic, um, especially for religious in, in just the simple practice of grooming and, and how we care for our clothing. Um, and, and I think especially for men who are seminarians and priests, um, you know, are they shining their shoes? Are they ironing their clothes? Are they showering regularly and, and shaving and, and, and getting regular haircuts and, and, and even beard trims, you know, how, I don't know how that works for specific, um, different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, like, for example, like a a Franciscan friar versus a diocesan priest, they have different, Mm -hmm. um, norms and regulations based on, you know, their order that they're in and things like that. So I think that is, that is a separate topic. Obviously they have to be obedient to their vows and to their Mm -hmm. order. But I would say for, you know, your typical like diocesan seminarian, diocesan priest, um, you know, 
dressing with dignity is so much more than like what color shirt you're wearing, for example. I mean, obviously they're wearing all black. So they have an opportunity, I think, to dignify themselves with their grooming routine um, in how they and how they care for themselves, how they present themselves. Um, you know, are their pants too short or or too baggy or are they wearing a belt or, you know, are they when they wear a coat, what kind of coat are they wearing? I mean, these are these are things that maybe most people wouldn't think of very much. And I mm-hmm. think there's a there's a beautiful simplicity in um, in seeing a priest who is extremely humble and um, maybe doesn't uh, isn't overly like into his grooming, but also still takes care of himself. There's something really beautiful about that mm-hmm. um, because I, I truly believe that Christ um, groomed himself too. You know, he mm-hmm. was, he was also human. So, um, you know, I, I believe our lady, you know, spent some time teaching him how to, you know, uh, button <laughs> yeah. up his shirt and, and just little things like that, I think can really make such a difference when you are speaking. And so many priests are speaking to us, um, from the pulpit and, mm-hmm. and coming to our homes for dinner and, um, or we see them out on the street and walking around. And I think it really does make a difference when you see, um, when you see a priest and think, wow, like he was just put together and well-spoken and kind and, um, and friendly. And I think those things speak so loudly to, um, to lay people, whether we are Catholic or not in the church. Um, Mm -hmm. I love, you know, sending (laughs) videos of, of father Mike Schmitz or other young, um, Mm -hmm. you know, vibrant priests who, you know, they do take care of themselves. They are, you know, dignifying their grooming with their vocation because it speaks to people who don't necessarily know, or maybe they have a vision of what a priest or a seminarian is, and they can't imagine one being, you know, groomed nicely, um, and presentable and, funny and, you know, making jokes. And I feel like it's really, um, you know, I think a lot of us, I I didn't grow up very um, much understanding my faith or the church or the priesthood. So I always had this image that priests had to be over 65 um, and bald (laughs) and, you know, (laughs) um, kind of smelled like mothballs or something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So when I started meeting young priests and who were, you know, just had this great way of, um, of just meeting, meeting the human person. And I think priests and seminarians have an opportunity to, um, be relevant and, and groom themselves in a way that dignifies that they are also a man, um, and also ministering to people. And I think when we minister to people, we want to present ourselves in a way that's relatable and, um, and also not distracting. I think that's, that's the main thing is, is that you can say, okay, well, modern haircut versus beard versus what kind of shoes they have on. I mean, I think, you know, obviously they're all wearing their, they're all black. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, you know, a pair of shine shoes versus a pair of kind of muddy, gross shoes. Does that make a difference? Maybe, maybe not. But I think, you know, when you show up at Theology on Tap or you host a young adults night, um, it really helps people feel like you are, um, you're one of them when you can kind of not have a distracting element and just enter into the, the, the community aspect Mm -hmm. of, of getting together. So totally. uh, Yeah, totally. I love that. Well, is there anything, is there anything else you want to add? I mean, anything that we didn't talk about that 
is, you know, burning on your heart right now with regards to all these things? I think it's just a matter of um, really when we, when we talk about personal style and we talk about grooming, makeup and all of these things, I think one thing that's really important to remember is that we cannot judge others um, on their journey of personal style, just the way we cannot judge others on their journey of faith. And I think it is so easy to look at someone who maybe um, loves, you know, a certain trend that's that's trending right now and look at them and say, oh, gosh, she must be so vain, so um, attached to her material belongings. And um, there's just no way that she has a prayer life. There's no way that she understands who God really is. Um, that's a very dangerous line of thinking that I think we hear a lot in, in faith communities as we really judge women who are... Um, maybe just putting forth a little bit of a different style than maybe someone else. And, and mm -hmm. I think it's, um, it's really important for us as, as Catholics, as Christians, um, to not project what we think their interior life is like. Um, and, and, and the same goes for style. If, if, if you see someone that's very simple and minimal and just sort of like wearing clothes for the sake of getting dressed every day and not necessarily um, wearing something that's like super stylish or super, you know, attractive or whatnot. It's, it's also not our place to say, oh, well, that person must not understand our culture or must just want to go live in a cave. And, you know, so I think having that, um, just that acceptance of others of where they are, um, and, and not making a judgment based on what they're looking like, because you just don't know. And we mm -hmm. can't know. And the only thing that, you know, only God knows. And um, so I think it's important for us to talk about these things and to bring them to light because um, otherwise it's, it's very easy to condemn. And I want to take that condemnation away from this conversation because that doesn't help women. That doesn't help men feel um, confident. It, it detracts from it. So if someone is truly mm -hmm. trying to find their personal style, or they're just, maybe they're just experimenting and they don't know what looks good on them yet. Like be patient with them, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, and, mm -hmm. and let's not make that a, a judgment of their prayer life, um, or, or, or their morality. And unless there, there's something teetering on the edge of, okay, maybe this is disrespecting themselves, or maybe, um, maybe there is a concern here that's, that's worth speaking to them about. So, you know, it's a fine line, but I think we, we live in the gray area. Having an extreme one or the other is, mm -hmm. is not healthy. And we have to kind of get used to and live in that gray area a little bit more. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. This was so, so good. I so appreciate it. So, oh, yeah. I love talking to you. <laughs> I know. I know. It's the best. I know. Hopefully we'll well, I don't know. We'll see how this whole quarantine thing goes, but maybe one of these days you guys can either come out to Chicago or I can come back out to DC. Yes. It was so good we can to have you here. Hang oh in the gosh. outdoors together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me.